Is it on? Oh, okay. Take off my glasses. Okay. Okay, great. Good morning, everyone. This is like to begin the meeting of the planning board meeting of November 13th. Oh no, yeah, November, it is November 13th, sorry. <laughs> Getting my days wrong. Uh, welcome everyone. And um, we'll begin with the Pledge of Allegiance. As we're having board member Sahiba lead us in the pledge. Okay, uh, roll call please, staff. Uh, yes, good evening. Um, Board member Ruiz. Present. Board member Saheba. Present. Board member Ariza. Here. And President Helm. Here. We have a quorum. Okay, uh, next item, agenda changes. And I understand uh, staff would like to propose an agenda change. Uh, yes, good evening. Uh, we have an uh, uh, agenda change, an item that we'd like to add, a ceremonial item uh, before public comment. Uh, I believe um, we uh, have a resolution that you would like to introduce. Yes, I would like to introduce a resolution for a person named Andrew Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first of all, I guess I should ask uh, for, do we need just, can I, do we need a board vote to amend the agenda? Okay. I, I, I think an informal ceremonial item is, is fine. It's okay. uh, not an action item. Sh uh, should, should we ask Andrew Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> our, our parliamentarian may want to come up and speak. <laughs> yeah. we, we, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a say. You know? He's no longer the community development person. You know, um, Maybe I could ask Andrew just to come up and uh, I'll come down and present him the plaque. But first I want to say that uh, on behalf of the planning board, we are extremely pleased and honored. First of all, your service to the city has been amazing and you deserve so much accolades. So it's, it's a hum we humbly submit this resolution uh, from of the city of Alameda and the Planning Board recognizing the outstanding service of longtime planning director, Andrew Thomas. And there's a number of whereases, but uh, my voice is kind of <laughs> bad today, so I'm gonna jump right to the important part, which is now therefore be resolved that the members of the Alameda Planning Board, Hanson Holm, Samira Cisneris, uh, Diana Ariza, Teresa Rez, and Ashish Sahaba do hereby extend their deep gratitude and appreciation for the commitment, dedication, and service of longtime planning director Andrew Thomas at the city of Alameda. So. Well, thank you very much, President Hom, members of the planning board. That's uh, very kind of you. Um, it's been a great honor working with the planning board all these years. Um, I'm it's so lucky to be able to look back over the last 20 years for the rest of my life and, and um, you know, appreciate everything that, 
that we accomplished here in Alameda during that time. And there wasn't a single important project that I will look back on that I didn't do with the planning board. So it's been just a great experience working with the Alameda Planning Board all these years. Um, uh, very satisfying. We've done some tough projects together, but every single project that I brought to the Alameda Planning Board over the last 20 years got better. Um, it, it ne I never walked out of this room after a planning board meeting thinking, oh, that, that project got worse. It always got better. So thank you for your support um, all these years. You're welcome. And then before I come down and hand you the plaque, I want to give the opportunity for other board members say a few words if they like. Sure. Board member Ruiz. Thank you. I, I promise I will not roast you this time. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank you for all your patience and you know, early guidance on kind of understanding how government works and how this wor world functions. And I think that it's very important for every board member to understand you know, their lane and their duties and responsibilities and not to overstep other people's roles. So I appreciate that. Thank you. You will be missed. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, Andrew, you've, you've been missed already. <laughs> and uh, I, I really think that, um, similar to what Board Member Reese said, uh, you did a really great job mentoring and counseling us. So it was <laughs> definitely a, a, a very, um, at least for me, important collaboration. And you always looked at it that way, and it's it was very much appreciated. I think that uh, the impact that you made won't just be within Alameda; it's going to have ripple effects. So, really, really appreciate it, and, and um, congrats on the next next phase of your of your life. Thank you. I just want to say the best wishes on the next stage, <laughs> and um, yes, you will be missed. Like I echo what. Other board members have said thank you so yeah. much I, ju I just want to say Andrew I've been on the planning board what four and a half years and your guidance and your leadership to the planning board has been immeasurable and I also want to add as a fellow person who's been in your shoes in other cities you're 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 a model to the planning profession you know your your values your ethics your ideals really show through in the work you do, so I, I just want to commend you as, as you know, a fellow planner in the profession. So, well, thank you so much, Planning Board. I, I very much appreciate this. Okay, we're on to the next item, which is item three, non-agenda public comments. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a statement I'd like to read regarding public comments. And uh, just wanted to say that this meeting is for the purpose of conducting the business of the planning board. Public comments should be related to the purview of the board, including land use planning 
permitting, design review, and economic development. Rules of decorum apply. Public comments should not be directed at individuals or protected classes of people and may not include profanity, threats, or derogatory comments. Anyone, anyone following these principles will not be allowed to continue speaking and may be removed from the meeting. So with that statement, I'd like to give the opportunity for anyone uh, to speak for three minutes regarding an item that's not on the agenda. Staff, do we have any speakers? Yeah, we have one speaker, Shelby Sheehan. Okay. Um, I want to also acknowledge that we did receive a letter, a public comment letter from Ms. Sheehan. So at this point, Ms. Sheehan, you're welcome to speak. Thank you. Um, thank you for telling me that because that was going to be my first question, actually, of whether you received it or not. So again, I am coming before the board to talk about the Oak Club parking lot. Uh, I, I'm also wondering why it wasn't agendized on this meeting because I did request that it be uh, in ample time and it is now at, uh, op being operated as a bus yard and it doesn't even have a complete permit application. Um, Stephen Buckley only told me about this permit and, and put it, made it available to the public on Acela once it was uh, up and running on October 30th, and if you look at the permit documents, it was submitted in, uh, the permit was submitted in August, I believe it's the 21st, and the planning department also told the applicant that they needed a use permit and that it was incomplete on that same day, but when they came before the board and in, in their dealings with me, they withheld that information. and pretended like they didn't know about it at all. And according to AUSD records, they've been consulting with the planning department for at least six months. So no matter how you look at it, the use is illegal. I've talked about the zoning and the land use problems, and also the parcel itself is part of the Navy EBC. So uh, for public amenities for a, a, uh, the district, the school district, therefore they're publicly owned, and they're supposed to be in reserve as a placeholder for a future school. Currently, right now, they're the lot at the Oak Club, which is not part of the OQ, but that's how it was listed in the uh, permit, uh, through at least 2024 for use by the Rec Park District for the Oak Club parking lot. Uh, last weekend, they the Oak Club had a uh, an event, and only one third of the parking was available, and it caused chaos in the neighborhood already. So it was also supposed to be surplused by the district, and it is completely inappropriate to have a private use of it that is to the benefit of a vendor on that parcel. Um, sorry. Um, as I said, it's already in use also. So it seems like that uh, the reason that it was hidden and they lied about it was because they expect the permit to be approved anyway based on the things that Stephen Buckley said to me no matter what the merits, and I again request a public notice and a public hearing and a fair and objective process and transparent process about this parcel. Thank you. Okay, thank you for your comments. Um, question of staff, um, what is the status of, of this issue? Yes, um, a permit application has been filed um, and it's under review. Um, as was mentioned, it's incomplete. 
but uh, when it is complete, it will come to you for review. Okay, so it will become before the planning board. Right, so I, I think at this point, um, you know, it's um, not really in front of you to, to discuss, um, okay. but it will be. It will be agendized for a future meeting. Okay, thank you for that, staff. Um, do we have any other public comments? Uh, no. Okay, all right, great. So then um, moving on to item four, which is con consent calendar item. There's four items on the consent calendar. 4A is uh, approval of the uh, board agenda meeting schedule for 2024, the minutes of the October 9th meeting, and then we have two uh, annual reviews for the Alameda Landing Commercial Project Development Agreement and then the second annual review for the, the Development Agreement for the Encinel Terminal Project. Um, any questions or any motion? Bye, okay, move. I, I move to approve the consent calendar. Okay, moved by Board Member Ruiz. I second the motion. Second by Board Member Ariza. So all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, anyone opposed? No abstentions. The consent, consent counter is approved, four zero. So then we're on to item number five, the regular agenda item, which is the development plan and use permit for building 607 at Alameda Point um, regarding approval of a development plan and conditional use permit for development of a community food market uh, located at eight, oops, excuse me, my reading, located at 677 West Ranger Avenue. So a staff presentation. Thank you, President Hom. Um, the item before you is a development plan and use permit for the Alameda Food Bank community market at Alameda Point. Oh, 20 years, I finally <laughs> forgot how to use this thing. How um, soon do you forget? <laughs> <laughs> um, this, the project site is in the NAS Alameda Historic District um, in what's known as the shops area. Um, as you can see, it's right on the edge of the historic district um, between West Midway and West Ranger. Um, the, the blow up on the right of the shops district um, shows the L-shaped site outlined in red. It's on Pan Am. West Ranger is um, uh, to the south, West Midway to the north, Pan Am on the east. And then just below this project site is uh, what we call Building 92, and that is the, um, the food bank is currently operating within as a lease in building 92. So their proposal is to purchase the, the piece of property outlined in red and build their new community market on that property. Um, so they would not be tenants anymore, but they would be landowners at Alameda Point, and then they would vacate building 92. Um, the historic district, um, is in need of all new infrastructure and utilities. Um, this is one of the major challenges for the city of Alameda. Um, in March, the council approved a disposition strategy, um, which is really a strategy for um, both the disposition of property and land from public ownership into private ownership, but it's, a, it's the primary mechanism by which the city funds um, and finances new infrastructure. Um, 
So um, it's being done in phases. If you've been out there recently, you see a lot of new road construction. There's new sewer lines going in, new water lines, new power lines. Um, and this first phase is shown here um, in the black, the black outline, which is essentially providing brand new infrastructure for this, for this sort of super block, which is um, defined by Pan Am on the east, West Midway on the north, uh, Saratoga on the west and West Tower um, to the south. And what the disposition strategy really at, the, at its core is the concept of we sell buildings in the historic district. The, the revenue from those building sales goes into the infrastructure account and then our public works department um, uses that account to build the first phase of infrastructure. So. Um, Buildings um, in red have already been sold. So that's um, building eight, the storehouse lofts, building 91, which is where the um, Almanac uh, Beer Company is, and building nine, Cairo's Power, um, and Firebrand, Firebrand Bakery. Um, what the city is now preparing to do is sell the land within the yellow areas, building 92, Building 607 and the and what we call the the parking lot, which is the food bank site. Um, the it used to be building 101. It, it burnt down about 12 years ago, um, so it's a vacant parcel. And then building 114, which is vacant and in very bad repair. So um, the game plan is to sell the the land in the very in, as soon as possible. Start selling the land in the yellow so that then the money can be used by the Public Works Department to then do the next phase of infrastructure, which would be moving west in Alameda Point from this first phase. Next up. And when we sell buildings, you very quickly see a, a, a real change. I mean, we sell buildings for two reasons. One, it brings uh, reinvestment in those buildings. People buy buildings to then reinvest in them. And when you go out there today, it's really obvious which buildings have been sold because they're the ones that have received the um, the, the investment. Um, and these are those those these are some of the buildings in that in those sold areas. So the food bank has been um, working out Alameda Point. Um, for years now, um, providing a very uh, important service. They'll tell you a little bit more about their services. Uh, but they, do, they would like to be a permanent, they'd like to own land, and they'd like to be a permanent fixture out at Alameda Point. So we've been working with them to identify this, this property, um, about 1.7 acres. It has an existing building, 607, um, uh, in green, and it has an existing cell tower in dark green, and then it's essentially a large parking lot. Um, all this site is approximately 1.7 acres. And you can see on the right, their basic game plan is to expand building 607 uh, to the east and then refurbish the uh, parking spaces um, and the site improvements. And we'll show you some, some uh, detailed drawings of that. But the site works out well for them because they can move. The actual construction process will not take too long. Um, and it's literally right across from their existing facilities, so their customer base um, will will know exactly where they are, and they can transition over, um, it, it, you know, sequentially, or in steps. 
Um, I just, this is, the site is located in the historic district. So ultimately the design of the actual improvements will have to come here to the planning board for design review. We're not doing design review tonight. We're just reviewing the use permit and the development plan. Um, uh, but I think it's, it is important um, to recognize that we are in the NAS historic district. Um, it's called the shops area. It's the area of the uh, district that the Navy used basically for warehousing, um, uh, some light manufacturing. Um, it was really their, what they called their shops area. But none of the buildings and, or structures on this site are contributors to the district. So what we really were focusing on when thinking about new construction on this site is uh, the character defining features of the historic district and specifically this sub-district. Um, and if you read the National Register um, material, um, what it basically says is there's little architectural consistency in this, in this area. You have different kinds of building materials, different size of buildings. Um, but what you do see in this drawing, I think, is this sort of pattern of how buildings are situated on the block and they're set back from the streets, the sort of east-west orientation of these long warehouses, 8 and 92 and 9 and 91, they're in the shops district. The big hangars to the south are not in the shops district. Building 114 to the north on the same block is within the shops district. And I think you, it, that when you look at that district, that is what is one of the primary character-defining features. So when working with the food bank, um, we really encourage this sort of east-west horizontal configuration of the expansion of the warehouse building uh, for the community market. Um, and we think that works well in this sub-district of the historic district. Um, and then on the perimeter, east and north perimeter, the, this use of a small, short, three-foot, three-and-a-half-foot sort of screening wall along the perimeter to do two things. One. A step, you know, screen the cars um, the, for the parking lot um, from the sidewalk uh, in an attractive way, but also set that sort of setback line, um, which is so prevalent in the shops district. Um, so, with that, I just conclude by saying we are recommending that you hold the public hearing tonight and adopt the draft resolution approving the CEQA determination for the development plan um, and use permit. Um, excuse me, the CEQA determination, it's the approving the development plan and approving the use permit. The use permit is for two purposes. Um, one is um, community market for the food bank. Um, we think it's akin to a grocery store in terms of its land use characteristics. People coming, picking up food, leaving. Um, so uh, in this zoning, a grocery store requires a use permit, so we thought this project should get a use permit. And then they are exceeding the parking maximums. Um, I'm sorry, that's a typo. It's an exception to exceed the parking maximum. Um, I, I believe they're at 68 spaces, and the maximum, I, if I recall, is like 62. But um, we've, we've made the findings in the use permit for the approval. Um, one of the things that we think is relevant here is that they are um, willing to sort of share their parking lot with the neighboring uses. And one of, one of the things we're seeing out there is as these buildings occupy, they're very big buildings, fairly lot, not a lot of parking associated. So many of the existing buildings are already there and are, have been redeveloped, um, are well below the maximum. And so 
Um, it'll be nice to have a little extra parking. With that, I'll conclude my presentation. And if it's okay with the board, I'd like to um, suggest that the food bank um, follow with their presentation, um, just because we sort of tried to coordinate presentations so okay. we weren't repeating yeah. ourselves. <clears throat> this point, representative from the food bank, would you like to make a presentation? Good evening, members of the planning board and staff. Thank you for including us tonight. I'm Rebecca Rivkin. I'm the president of the board of directors for Alameda Food Bank. And our executive director, Teal Harden, is, has joined us on Zoom. Hi, Teal. <laughs> for more than 45 years, the Alameda Food Bank has been serving the citizens of Alameda who are facing food insecurity. And while the number of folks dealing with chronic food insecurity continues to go up, the number of new clients who've never needed our services uh, uh, at the food bank is growing even faster. Pre-pandemic, each distribution had roughly 40 to 60 clients. At that time, we were operating out of the double-wide trailer then in March 2020, we had to move all operations to our warehouse to provide enough space for us to safely distribute and operate a drive-through service. During the pandemic, we were the largest distributor of food in Alameda County, ranging from 500 to 900 shoppers at every distribution. In July 2021, we opened our island community market for in-person shopping. We were one of the first pantries to switch back to indoor shopping. In July 2022, we conducted a client survey and noted a request for evening hours and added Wednesday evening. We renamed it island community market so that when people are referring to us, they can say they're going to the market. We switched from utility carts to grocery carts for a nicer shopping experience. And being in a big open warehouse is not the most welcoming. So with the help of a few of our volunteers, we were able to make the market more appealing. And this photo shows nice work that they did on the walls there. When we talk to shoppers, volunteers in the community, we make an extra effort to frame the process in terms that people understand. Our check-in process is very similar to what happens at the DMV. You're given a, a number and then that number is called and when your number is called, you go up and then you're given a grocery cart and get to go through and pick out your food items. The statistics are really mind-boggling. So 1,000 families a week where we used to average less than 800 a month. For all of 2022, we signed up 912 new clients. And so far in 2003, we've already signed up 1,151 new clients. And we still have a month and a half left to go to the year. 
Building 607 is really an ideal location to benefit the community as a whole. It couldn't be a more perfect location. Literally across the street from where we are now, it'll be an easy transition for current shoppers. The bus stop will be at the corner of our parking lot. And the proximity to the reshape project makes this a logical choice to best serve residents who will utilize housing of the reshape program. Thank you, and I will now turn this over to Steve Campbell. And Tammy. Super. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I'm very excited. Tammy and I are going to share the presentation together and just sort of talk through uh, the development plan concept. Um, I'm on the board of uh, the food bank and I have a lot of experience in commercial and industrial development so have volunteered my time to help lead the food bank forward in finding our forever home. I wanted to thank everybody who has given us input as we progress with this. Uh, everyone on the planning board, we've talked to all the surrounding uh, stakeholders, other developers, owners. Uh, and they have provided invaluable input to us. And it's just been a treat also to partner with this guy uh, who has, uh, he and his staff have been incredibly helpful in helping us uh, present to you a development plan that we think is consistent with not only the district, but ultimately marries our requirement uh, with, with uh, the location. So, a couple things to note before I start to share with Tammy um, the description of what we're doing. This project is 100% self-funded by the food bank. We rely on donations from uh, the community to make it all possible. And, and so for us, that requires an incredibly thoughtful balance between design, purpose, and construction to ensure that what we're building is economically sustainable for the food bank today and into the future. So as you look at the building we're proposing, I hope you get the feel that it's something that will fit within the shops district, but also respect that we're very carefully weighting the cost of every decision that we make to ensure that we have a sustainable structure today and in the future going forward. Um, We've done a lot of due diligence uh, in advance of this meeting, uh, both architectural, legal, environmental. Uh, we currently have a building survey underway to understand all the hazmats that need to be abated uh, within building 607 before we proceed with any renovation activities. Um, we're very mindful of how we can best reutilize building 607. And as Andrew pointed out, that includes uh, a partial, uh, a complete renovation of 607, a removal of about 1,500 square feet of it on the eastern end, and then the addition of approximately 10,000 square feet of warehouse area that will be used for uh, food storage, food preparation, and food intake and staging. The main marketplace function will be housed within building 607. And we've already done conceptual design to figure out how that can, can best be configured. 
Here's a view from West Ranger Avenue, uh, where you can see on the left, building 607, the address being 677. That is where the marketplace and various staff and volunteer areas will be. The new 10,000 square foot extension of 607 is pictured on the right. And with that, Tammy, I'd like you to just comment on some of the features. Yeah, for the new portion of the building, we do want that to uh, pay homage to the shops district. So all the adjacent buildings, building 91, 92, and 9, uh, they do have uh, warehouse windows that are uh, in, in rows, and we want to uh, reflect that in our design as well in the new building. Uh, at the same time, we are reusing building 607, and we want to uh, find, uh, look into ways to blend the materials and, and make sure that the old and the new work together. Uh, we do have a stainless, or, or we do have a prefabricated steel structure that we're using for the new portion of the building. Uh, above the windows, we do have uh, metal awnings as well uh, to give character to the design. Thank you, Tammy. So um, as you can see on this side from West Ranger Avenue, this is the, the main view that people will see from Building 92, and but it is not the key operational area of the future food bank. What we have done is configured all the food receiving and client operational areas on the backside that feed in from the parking lot. So uh, trucks that are delivering food, and by the way, in this picture, we depict both client and food receiving activities at the same time. That is not the case. Uh, our food deliveries occur at hours that are not the same as client receiving and client shopping times, but we just wanted to show you where the, the main uh, truck court area would be and then I'll explain a little bit more how the parking lot will work for uh, clients as they come in. Tammy? So in this image, you do see uh, the parking lot. Uh, for the parking lot, we do have bioswales in between the parking spaces uh, for any rainwater. Uh, we are planting uh, bay-friendly uh, plants and trees uh, to help with, with the parking lot um, to, to help with the heat island effect. Uh, we do have a low uh, CMU wall um, that helps to define the space of the parking lot. And um, we, we do uh, want to have, uh, we currently have about 68 parking spaces in, in this uh, site. Great, thank you, Tammy. So uh, to, uh, uh, to give you a sense for why we've configured it this way, we spoke to the surrounding property owners and developers to get a sense for uh, how they thought about the food bank and the way we currently receive clients. And we've talked to a lot of our clients as well, and we think this is the way to structure the property to its maximum effect, providing a way for customers to come in uh, in a discreet manner where they can come into the food bank in the parking lot, they can stage, be received into the marketplace, come out with their shopping carts, load their cars, or if they're arriving on public transit, the same is true. They come back in through this area, are staged and received, and then can come back out to the bus stop and leave. So a lot of thought has been put into this configuration. 
Um, another view that gives you a better uh, sense for the marketplace and where uh, clients will come in and out. On the right-hand side of this picture, building 607, and then a covered awning area, which is a client staging area for whereas people, as Rebecca pointed out, after they are checked in and receive their shopping number, they can stage and wait before they come into the marketplace uh, in order to go shopping, and then they will come back out um, into the parking lot area. We've worked very hard to accommodate the cell tower that exists on the property, respecting all the required setbacks around that structure uh, as well. And we've spent a lot of time on legal due diligence to make sure we understand specific requirements associated with that lease, and we're very comfortable with it. Tammy? Yes, we maintain the 24 feet clearance around the cell tower. Uh, we do want to make sure that there are multiple ways to uh, have for the clients to arrive at the food bank. Uh, there are uh, spaces for bicycle parking as well as uh, stalls for uh, electrical vehicle charging stations. And we do have three accessible parking spaces based on that 68 parking count. Um, and we also make sure that the outdoor sheltered area, it, it provides areas for visitors to, to wait comfortably, uh, rain or shine. Thank you, Tammy. Um, a word on sustainability. We put a lot of thought into how to make this structure both economically and environmentally sustainable. Um, the intent at this point is to put solar panels on portions of the roof uh, and also add battery storage as well as backup power. One thing the pandemic taught uh, the food bank was we need to be resilient we need to be scalable and have the ability to quickly convert our operations. But we also have a role to play post-disaster on this island for food distribution. And so we're thinking through how to configure this building uh, to allow us to have what it will take in order to be operational uh, after a natural disaster on the island. Um, COVID uh, also taught us the importance of being prepared for non-in-person shopping, but to handle drive-through. Uh, and we thought about how to configure the current parking lot in this new building extension to continue to accommodate drive-through if we ever have to go back to that configuration. Okay, anything else? I think that's it. So uh, we're happy to answer any questions you have. And then uh, I think we have one person uh, in the public comment. Before we uh, jump into board questions, I would like to uh, clarify a question from Andrew, because um, it might shape kind of where we go as far as the questions. Yeah, you, meant, you mentioned, Andrew, earlier on that this is approval of a development plan and use permit, not the design review. So. Is the design review coming back to the board? Okay. Yes, it, it sort of, um, what, we, what we're working with the food bank here is sort of a sequence of actions. First step, come to the planning board, get confirmation that, that the planning board is comfortable with the development plan and the use permit. So the use of the land for this purpose, consistent with the zoning um, and, and the actual layout development plan. So that the food bank knows, okay, this is, this is a use that, that works here from a zoning perspective, from a planning board perspective. Next stop, 
will be city council for the purchase and sale agreement. That's the document that essentially consummates the sale of the property um, to the food bank. If the council approves the purchase and sale agreement, which we're hoping to do in December, if everything goes well tonight um, here, um, and then we have a lot of things to take care of between now and December, but we're trying. Then once they have a purchase and sale agreement from the council, then it's, all right, we have our land use permits, they have their land, and now then they invest in the architectural details for design review, which would come back to this board for future design review. And then also because it's a, essentially a new building in the historic district under our um, EIR for Alameda Point, uh, new structures in the historic district, even though this is not a contributor, um, need a certificate of approval from the historic advisory board. So what we're envisioning is um, in the spring, once they've had, assuming the council approves the purchase and sale agreement, um, that we they would return to both the planning board and the historic advisory board, essentially with the same set of drawings, the architectural details for, for the building. Okay, no, thank you, Andrew, for clarifying the process. So tonight we're considering the development plan and use permit, not the design review, though of course I assume planning board members can offer preliminary comments on these design plans tonight for consideration. Okay, before we open up the public hearing, wanted to allow an opportunity for board members to ask questions of either staff or the applicant, and these are clarifying questions first, and then we'll have the public hearing and then we'll go into deliberations. Board members, any questions? Uh, board member Sahiba. Yeah, thank you for the presentation. Uh, my, my question, I guess, revolves around zoning, and Andrew, you touched on this, that the maximum limit of parking is 64 stalls, I guess, based on the drawings that were submitted and 68 are being allocated. Um, I didn't hear quite an explanation of why it, one would exceed the maximum is uh, besides I know that there's some use cases of uh, neighbors potentially sharing the lot or something yep. but but is there a clear finding of, of why one would exceed you under the zoning you can approve and ex, you know exceeding the um, the maximum with a use permit so we were recommending that you make those findings in this case um, our kind of um, I I don't have the resolution in front of me, but mm -hmm. the findings are there. Um, I think the um, we felt that the use was um, was the use and the surroundings. I mean, it really was the finding that we were proposing. Um, the surrounding buildings um, are 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 parked way under the maximum. Um, and when we had meetings with the neighbors and the other folks in, in that immediate district, this was something that they were very interested in and this idea that there would be a little bit of extra parking in, on the block um, because the buildings are so big on each parcel that there's very little um, parking for each. So that was essentially the findings that we were making, if I recall, in the, in the use permit um, resolution. Okay. I can add to that as mm -hmm. well. We, even though we will technically own the parking, we think it should be a community shared asset. So the idea would be that we would allow others to use the parking lot during non-food bank hours. And that's something that, uh, that we think could work. We've spoken to 
others in the area, including the developer of the loft, and he was uh, very supportive of that concept because I think his his complex and other areas are currently under park. So, okay, thank you. Uh, that, that was really my only question at this time. Yeah, thank you. What member? What member Ruiz? Thank you for the presentation. And full disclosure, I did meet with the food bank's executive director prior to the meeting to discuss the project. Um, so I have three questions. One is following up board members Hava's question um, regarding parking. I noticed that there's a discrepancy between the parking count in the staff report on um, page five, five of seven <laughs> versus the um, drawing set. So the staff report says the proposed 70 spaces exceed the 61 spaces. But so which one? I just want to know which one is correct and which yes, one is going to be included one. in the resolution. That's our fault. Uh, and, and part of it is initially we thought it would be 70, and that's okay. what you had in the staff report. Okay. As we further designed the bioswales and various mm -hmm. other configurations in the parking lot, it fell to 68. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Second question, when I met with the ED, uh, when I met with Teal on the site, she did mention, can we go back to one of the earlier site plan of the existing, um, I think there is a, to the west of the site where there's an existing alley next to building 101. And yes, that that's a box house is temporary. It was unclear whether that alley was even supposed to be there, and that status was unclear. To that, or, or I can as well. Yeah, so, I can, um, so there, there used to be a building there. We still call it Building 101, but it's really what's all that's left is the, um, is the uh, foundation, and that that was an access to the back of that, to that old building. If I if if I remember correctly, there's a driveway there. Um, Yes. And it has been used as sort of a cut through. Um, ultimately, um, our plan will be to sell that property, um, and there'll be a plan for a new building there. Whether the access will remain there or not is yet to be seen. Okay, so that ties into my third question. Exactly where's the new um, trash enclosure or new waste? Because I know the current waste um, enclosures on the southwestern corner of the building. And I, I would like to know where is the new trash enclosure going to be? You bet. You want to take that, Pam? Uh, the new trash enclosure would be uh, to the uh, left of the outdoor courtyard area. Uh -huh. So it would be to the west side, up a bit further down, right at the corner of where the existing building is. Uh, we do have can you is there any way you can point That's right. yes it's it's in so it's uh, out that area I think so it is, is located it out? on sheet a 1.0.1 you do uh, there is a note indicating the trash enclosure area right the reason i asked that question is because in the sub subsequent page a good portion of that it's a landscape so just wanted to know where the extent is It would be past the landscape area, so it would be closer to where the building would be at the corner of the building. Okay, so it's just that small area between 
the corner of a building in a landscape area. Yes, that is correct. Okay, thank you. That's my question, then I'll save the rest for comments. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, any, other, any other board questions? I don't have questions, but I do, I do want to disclose to that I met um, earlier with the executive director to understand the project. Yeah, thank you. And I'll, I'd like to disclose that I did uh, get invited out to a tour of the facility, so I want to disclose that. Um, I do have a couple of questions, and they're similar to the questions of other board members. One is about parking. Um, I, I appreciate that uh, the, the shared parking, given the hours of operation that you mentioned. Um, however, maybe this is more a question for staff. I didn't see a condition that, that documents the requirement uh, of the offer for shared parking. Is that something that will be... Is it, is it in the, the, the agreement, uh, or I don't see it in the condition of approval? Yeah, we didn't include it in the development plan conditions of approval. We certainly, if that's something the board would like to articulate as a condition of approval, we certainly can discuss that tonight. Um, uh, it also could be deferred to the um, purchase and sale agreement, but I think tonight would be a good time to talk about it. Okay, okay. And then I have a related question. Um, it's kind of parking and landscaping, but the frontage on uh, Ranger Avenue, I saw in one of the sketches that the proposal is to landscape that area between the new sidewalk and the building, but in the landscape plans is shown as blank. So is that area, and, and also along Saratoga, is the proposal, because right now I believe there might be some landscaping, but this might be minimal. So on sheet A1, 2.1, is that area along Ranger behind the sidewalk proposed to be re-landscaped? In one of your drawings that you showed in your presentation, you indicated that it would be, so I just want to get clarification. So there are some existing mature trees in that area now that we intend to work with an arborist to save. We mm -hmm. think they're actually pretty substantial. We will be adding new plantings up and down uh, that area to soften the look as part of the landscape plan. I think the area you're referring to is between the sidewalk and the building. Yeah, right. And currently that area in front of building 607 is somewhat landscaped. There's um, cedar chips and there's, there's some plantings. I think the idea is to create uh, a continuum of landscaping uh, in front of the building, so it looks like the two belong together. Um, Tammy, do you want to comment further on that? Yeah, and we we do want to keep the existing trees that are there. So we, when we do need to add any additional plantings if needed, uh, they we do want to make sure that it works with the ex existing. Okay, so may I just add? Just, yeah, just from a pro just from a process standpoint. Um, with design review and the WELO requirements, a more detailed landscape plan okay. is going to be necessary. So uh, what we really, in terms of the development plan tonight, um, and we, like we showed some architecture, but I think there will be more detailed okay. landscaping okay. plans with the design review submittal. Okay, so that might be a comment that we convey tonight. Um, um, uh, uh, President Um 
Uh, Teal, Teal Harden with, uh, is available online. She raised her hand, so I think she wants to uh, add in. So she's unmuted now. Oh, okay. Yes, sure. sorry. Um, it wasn't actually for this portion of the discussion, but I did just want to make sure before we go into your deliberations to reiterate what Steve mentioned in his presentation regarding um, the parking lot and that if there were ever an emergency again, that um, having a parking lot that is slightly overparked would give us the capability to do um, drive-through distributions again. Uh, when we had to do this during the pandemic, I think you saw during Rebecca's presentation, we were one of the largest food distributors in Alameda County because we were able to take on the capacity that many other smaller organizations weren't. Um, at the time, because you know portions of the base are not as developed as others, um, it gave us the ability to have those mile, two mile long lines of cars that we all saw on the news during COVID. So as the base becomes re more developed, um, having a dedicated parking lot is going to be able to allow us to do that drive-through distribution without uh, disrupting our neighbors as we continue to have more and more neighbors in the area. So I did just wanna make sure that got mentioned and kind of brought to the surface again prior to your deliberations. Thank you, appreciate that. I have another question for Andrew, and this is not related to the food bank, it's kind of a, a larger question. One of the things I heard when I was out the site was that the building across the street, you know, there there's um, is a large building, but the parking might be kind of constrained. So, you know, with the food bank offering to do the shared parking, that's certainly a plus. But then I was looking at the area in front of the building, I don't know how deep it is, but did the city consider maybe having an area be like angle parking to provide more on-street parking to help serve maybe the uses that um, might be attracted to the future building? On the West Ranger side of the building, so essentially in that area that you were just yeah, referring right, to right. for the landscaping. Um, it's, certainly, it's certainly possible. Um, I don't know how the food bank feels about it. Um, it would require, if that's something the planning board um, would like them to consider um, uh, the um, it would be good to just make that clear in your decision tonight if you approve the resolution so that you're approving the a possibility of additional parking beyond the 68 um, to answer your question directly I think um, everybody who we have talked to about the sale of mm -hmm. building 92 that is an issue that they have been raising I mean it's a issue with the other buildings that have been sold. Um, all of the new businesses moving in, um, that's, um, that's all they call us about. <laughs> they love being in Alameda Point, but they're like, we want more parking. We're also, just for information purposes, we will be repaving the city, the park, the big half block parking lot behind City Hall West which is sort of kitty corner from building 114. So that will provide a, an additional overflow parking for that area. Okay, okay, thank you, Andrew. And thank you, uh, consultants or applicant for your presentation. Um, at this point, I'd like to open up um, the public hearing for this item. Staff, are there any speakers? Uh, yes, Kern have uh, one speaker uh, in person and two online. The Person uh, in person is uh, Ty Nguyen. Okay, Ty Nguyen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tui Nguyen, a proud Alameda resident 
here for the past 47 years. I was very fortunate to grow up here on our fair island, absorbing the American culture, learning English, my third language, as I attended Longfellow, Chipman, and Ensenel High. Go Jets! <laughs> Growing up as an immigrant who came over from Vietnam in 1975, three days before the fall of Saigon, my family experienced food insecurity firsthand. However, my mom didn't want to go to Alamy Food Bank only because she believed that other families who would need the food so much more than we do. As a result, we live very frugally and closely control our spending to make ends meet. A few things that are just mind-boggling to me in our country. Number one, food insecurity. Number two, housing insecurity. Number three, health care costs. While I can't help do anything about the last two, I can make a difference with food insecurity. Fast forward to 2014, when I decided to give back to my community here that I call Home Sweet Home. I started to volunteer at a food bank at a trailer on Thao Way. I was part of Team Tuesday, yay. After 18 months or so, the executive director at that time asked me if I would consider sitting on Alameda Food Bank's board to help bring the organization to the next level. I was very honored, still am, and I have been very fortunate to be on the board now for eight years. Alameda Food Bank is making a big difference, especially during the pandemic, as you can see the picture, the statistics that have been shown tonight, and how our organization have evolved to help our clients, our neighbors, our friends, and our fellow islanders. In conclusion, I sincerely hope that you collectively as a planning board will support our organization, approve our plans, and help us move forward to our forever home that will continue to serve many more decades, many more generations ahead. Food insecurity is not going to go away anytime soon or ever in our community or our country. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Uh, yeah, no, next speaker is uh, Julie Yim. Hi, my name is Julie Yim. I am the Senior Policy Advisor for Alameda County Supervisor Lena Tam, and I'm a resident of Alameda. And this year, I had the um, occasion to advocate for a constituent in low-income housing, and it's tough. It's really tough to navigate the system. But the only bright spot so far has been the food bank. I asked her one day if she had food, and she said, no, she didn't. 
And I talked to Marcy Johnson with the city of Alameda, who quickly called Teal. And Teal says, come on over. She had a box ready of food, of mostly produce. And then she um, let me go in and do some shopping on my own. So I got a little bit more meat and some shrimp. And when I brought it to the client, she cried. She was so happy. So I just wanted to speak to let you know, you know, the individual impact it has on people to be able to get food when they ordinarily cannot. And at the county, we're always worried about food distribution and food insecurity. So we are very happy to have you. And I'm so glad if you will afford them the larger warehouse space and we can serve more clients. So thank you and thank you, Teal. Thank you, Ms. Young. Um, we have one more speaker. Uh, yeah, the next speaker is Chris Tam. Okay, Chris. Good evening, my name is Chris Tam. I'm the executive director of All Good Living Foundation. I would like to show my support for the food bank. All Good Living Foundation created a free community closet program in schools in Alameda to help students in need with hygiene products, clothes, shoes, and now food. The food bank has been donating food to our community closet program for students families, and now we're supporting Alameda educators in need. Um, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mr. Tam. Uh, any further public comments? Uh, no, no more comments. Okay. At this point, I'll close the public hearing and uh, open for discussion by the board. Board member Sahiba. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks again for the presentation and bringing this forward. I, I just, as a note, um, very supportive of the Alameda Food Bank, donated in the past to them as well, and uh, appreciate uh, their thoughtfulness on how to create a forever home in, in the future. Uh, I would, one of the things that I would just say is that um, in looking at the proposal, I, I completely understand uh, the strategy that they're taking and, and obviously dealing with um, the constraints of the site uh, as, as they develop their, um, their strategy. I do think that uh, when thinking about how the approach experiences in the front door, I know we're not really talking about design right now, but just making suggestions on how to consider this, um, really to think through where placement of bike racks go and, and other um, elements that help create that feel of accessibility to the front door experience. Uh, and I, I really do think that as, um, I know that the stalls are organized within the larger parking field, uh, the thoughts of where cart storage goes and those sort of things will play an impact on potentially maybe the quantity of the stalls at the end of the day, because managing that is, is gonna be important just to make sure that, uh, that it, it does feel as if um, there's a clear strategy on how to, how, how to place carts once, once they have been used, as we can always see when you're moving more towards a grocery store type model. Uh, I, I do think that 
um, as far as you know, what we're here to talk about access and and um, and the zoning constraints. Um, I, I wasn't quite clear on how the trash enclosure will work, as as um, uh, Board Member Ruiz brought up. Uh, I know there's that alley currently that looks to be part of um, the current uh, strategy that it could be utilized, but if not, then there'll have to be some other accommodation to actually access it and its location next to an area where uh, is the sort of welcome shed or, or courtyard for, for folks may create some level of conflict. So it's just something that I think should be, should be considered. Uh, and then in, in the bigger picture, um, I'm, I wasn't quite clear on the parking strategy along Ranger Avenue that uh, Board Member Hom you were, you were describing. I don't know if that was actually on the street is what you were describing or on their property. Yeah, I, I could clarify okay. that. Um, I believe what would be on their property is the area be, between the sidewalk and the front of the building. Oh, okay. It's kind of minimal landscape when it looks like given that there's a parking shortage, I was thinking could it be, rather than landscaping it, might it be better use of land to have it that area be like 60 degree angle parking, say. Um, given that there's there's a shortage of parking, I understand. Oh, okay. That's just an I option. See. I mean, if, if the parking is not needed, I would certainly wanna see that area landscaped. I, okay, thank you. Thank yeah. you for that clarification. Yeah. Just with that, I would I would just say that, I mean, the current strategy in front of us, um, I think, w would would be fine. the The challenge of um, utilizing that is there's not enough space for a drive aisle, so the street would be the drive aisle, and uh, from you, from what I can tell, you, yeah, you would basically back out into the street, let you see, um, you know, right. low volume streets, you know, so which, you see downtown areas, which would also mean that that's um, it'd be a challenge to where the sidewalk is located yeah, currently. that's true. So I think as an overall master plan for the district uh, that's being developed, uh, I, I do like that there's bike lanes, sidewalks, everything that's um, the pedestrian infrastructure that's showing up. So I'd be a little sensitive to potentially cur uh, interrupting that, that system that's being put in place. Uh, out, outside of that, um, when I look forward to seeing what comes in in the design review and, and the strategy for uh, sustainable goals that you all mentioned uh, in, in describing this. And um, yeah, that's, that's it for now. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Uh, board Member Ruiz. Thank you, President Hom, and thank you, um, Board Member Sahiba, for kind of finishing my thoughts already. <laughs> But anyway, um, a few comments. One, um, yes, I am concerned about the location of the current or the proposed um, waste management and um, disposal location in terms of we should be sensitive of the volume, the size, the frequency of pickup, as well as um, access and adjacency to clients staging, um, you know, waiting area. Because inevitably, um, waste disposal location is going to have smells and um, I understand that in the conditions of approval, the man, uh, waste management plan needs to be approved by public work, but please thoroughly investigate the, the access point before um, going further with the plan. 
Um, that's one comment. And then second comment is in terms of parking, um, I appreciate um, the amount of landscaping that you have put in the trees to try to minimize um, urban heat island. Um, I think that's the right strategy, strategy, and we can discuss further when you come back with the design review. Um, in, given that we are already exceeding the, the parking count, um, I, I'm okay with that, and I don't think it needs to be a memorialized condition in order to give um, the food bank the flexibility to revoke that you know, shared parking privilege should there be another emergency measure. And uh, in terms of um, the overall district's parking challenges, I don't think it, it should be a burden on food bank to solve the, the other parcels problem. Um, if the city can incorporate more street parking, great. But I think I'm in agreement with board member Sahiba that to, it's more important to have a continuous um, sidewalk and bike lanes and to establish that urban fabric in, in this district than accommodate parking that's uh, challenging on the other parcel. Um, I just don't want to burden the food bank with that. So um, I can I can support the the overage in parking. Granted, it's not significant, and you know the actual, the plan actually shows less overage than the staff report. So I don't see that as an issue at all. So overall, I can support the project. Okay, thank you. What member Risa? Thank you for the presentation. Um, I I just want to say I I definitely would move to support the project. Thank you, thank you for being so thoughtful on the initial conceptual design. Um, and I agree with board member Rees and board member Sahiva that ideally we keep the texture that we have in Alameda that we are so fortunate to have um, that allows us to walk the streets and we could walk you know, the whole island if we wanted to. Um, the one thing that I noticed that concerns me a little bit is how the new building is located in relation to the existing building. I feel that it would be ideal to maybe establish a, a little bit of a differentiation. I, I understand that they need to be very close because they're the functionality of it, but maybe, um, I don't know if it could be moved separated somehow, either by moving it, what is that, north? I guess what concerns me the most is just that very long wall that is being formed by the existing and the new. Um, it's just a matter of the scale of that wall, and perhaps, and, and I don't know, I guess this is a question for staff, If if is there, are there any restrictions on the demolition of the, a portion of the existing building? Uh, no, it's not a contributor okay. um, to the historic district, so there are no, no restrictions. Okay. Um, so I think it's more maybe just giving a little bit more thought on how you join the two buildings so that there, there is a, a good massing solution, I think, and the, and the walls are more of a scale um, other than that, I, I appreciate the entrance that even though it's not where you intuitively would think of it um, in the street, but I understand 
the concept of being close to the parking lot and also kind of more private for the users. Um, and overall, I, I think it's a great project. Thank you for bringing it to us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I concur with the board. This is a, a wonderful project. And when I want to commend the board of directors and staff uh, for, for all of their work over, I think, believe over 40 years, the food bank started out from very humble beginnings and to see it grow to the magnitude that it has such that they uh, need to expand and build a warehouse and the concept of a grocery store I think is more humanistic. So the direction the food bank has taken is, is wonderful. So this project will be a real asset to the city as well as Alameda Point. I like the variety of uses in Alameda Point market rate as well as community service type uses. So I think it adds to the fabric, overall fabric of Alameda Point. So I'm very supportive of the project. And I know that uh, the design review will be coming back to us. So um, hopefully there'll be um, you know, further details on the materials, some of the details, some of the entrances as mentioned by board members, the trash enclosure. Only, uh, only clarification I would ask is that this sheet with the landscaping indicate that the area between the sidewalk and the building will be landscaped, but at this point I realize there's mature trees, so there might be, you know, how you approach that is up for further discussion, but that would be the only suggestion I have. It sounds like the board concurrence is, is not to consider an angle parking situation, which I'm fine with, and certainly I'll leave that up to the city to discuss if they feel the need to consider that option. Um, I, I might say I've seen angle parking that also has sidewalks behind the, you know, but it needs to have sufficient space. You know, you see that in uh, downtown areas, but you, you need the adequate space for it. But I'm, I'm gonna just leave that as, a, as an aside comment outside. So at this point, a motion. Yeah, board member Sahiba. Uh, I just wanted to reinforce something that board member Ariza said. I, I I completely agree as you all look to refine this for the design review. Um, these bu two buildings kind of slammed up next to each other. I, I think really look at how these two connect um, because right now they feel like a forced connection. Um, I would say that if there's an opportunity to save the piece that's being demoed, it might help because it would create relief um, between the, the larger warehouse and the, and the smaller building. And I think that relief could be something that helps disengage um, yes, the sense of these two buildings having been crashed together. Yeah, I think that's a good comment. I, I concur with, with that observation. Yeah, and then I, I think just to talk about the parking a little bit more, um, some of it is self-inflicted, but in a good way. Uh, if, you know, we see Almanac and we see, um, all, you know, Admiral Maltings, they used to have parking, um, COVID happened and now it's gone, but it's better that it's gone. <laughs> so it, it is a challenge where, you know, cars are now parked everywhere. Um, but those experiences are so much better that the, I remember going there prior when there was parking and now that, and now that there's not, I can say 100% it's way better now than it was previously. So in that sense, the district is taking on this other kind of sensibility, and um, you all also have the opportunity in the front portion to have that kind of community engagement with the landscaping and potentially 
with seating and such that's there to, to then provide that kind of front door experience that we see on the other um, areas around us. So, thank you. Okay, yeah, thank you. Do I hear a motion or someone like that? I need to refresh. Let's make a motion. So I'll, I'll, I can make a motion. Um, a motion to approve the uh, application for, uh, well, the conditional use, uh, development plan and conditional use permit uh, for the community food market. And the development plan. Yeah, yeah and, and the development plan and use permit, yes. Uh, would you accept, uh, oh, the way I should say, do, is there a second? I second. Okay. Um, moved by board member Sahiba, seconded by board member Louise. Uh, would you accept the amendment to, to amend sheet 1.2.1 to indicate landscaping between the building and the sidewalk? Uh, that is, is design that review is a design issue? review item. Yeah. You know what, I, I sometimes just to kind of keep a clear um, uh, track of sort of process, we've added conditions um, and I was taking notes as you were talking, sort of a condition to say, look, when you come back for design review, mm. um, please um, uh, demonstrate or show the following things. Um, bike racks and bike rack locations, um, cart storage and their locations, the uh, sort of a refinement of the garbage enclosure or sort of a relook at that, mm -hmm. um, the landscape plan details, and then uh, details on sustainability. Um, Design review has its whole set of requirements, but it's just helpful for the for the planners, for the applicant. Oh, right, remember those things so that when they come back, and it just will be, I think it'll be helpful when they come back for design so review. So do we need to add it as a condition? Yeah, or? just I would recommend you um, direct staff to add that as an okay. additional condition okay. know, for design review. Is, is uh, make or a motion amenable to adding that condition as suggested by Yes, and then I think there was one more, just the sensitivity of the new building versus the existing building, the relationship of those two. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so to consider for the yeah, moved with uh, the additional suggested amendment, including the the, the the two buildings, how they connect together. Um, and I amend my second. You, you you accept that? Okay. This point, uh, we're ready for a vote. All for approval. Aye. 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 Any opposed? I don't believe so. So it uh, uh, it's approved uh, on a 4-0 vote. Congratulations, and I wish you the very best. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome. Okay. Well, folks to pile out if they don't want to stay for the streets street naming item <laughs> yeah yeah so we're on to uh, item 5b and this is regarding uh, 2015 Grand Street and this a uh, development plan amendment uh, I guess is really related to confirming the names for the private streets of a previously approved 90 unit townhouse project that's uh, proposed by 
True Mark Holmes, or actually Spencer Chapman on behalf of True Mark Holmes, so staff. Yeah, uh, thank you, President Hom and um, board members. My name is David Sablon. I'm with the Planning, Building, and Transportation Department. I've just got a brief kind of uh, rundown of what this uh, project is. Um, so to kind of uh, refresh your memories, uh, last December, uh, the Planning Board approved a 90-unit uh, townhome project at the corner of uh, Grand Street and Clement. Um, it had 90 units and 14 buildings uh, in, with all private internal streets. Um, part of the project is extending Clement Avenue and the Cross Alameda Trail um, so that uh, Clement is now uh, complete uh, through this project and widening Hibbert Street. Um, to, to go back, uh, when this went before the planning board, uh, there was just placeholder names, A Street, B Street, uh, things like that. The true market wasn't ready yet to, to name the streets. Um, so now that they're moving forward with building permits and their improvement plans and hoping to get their final map uh, recorded within the next couple months, uh, they've kind of proposed these plans. Um, so the city's street naming policy uh, was changed in October 2021, and um, planning board is able to recommend street name approvals for new developments, um, usually with along with the uh, development application itself. And so that's why this is coming back as a planned development amendment. Um, and so this is uh, separate from uh, naming and renaming streets and city facilities, which uh, those require up to four public hearings. Um, so this is, you know, talking about a new swim center or, or a new park. That's when uh, all the, the public hearings are required. Um, also, street names should focus on local Alameda significance, uh, but other names can be approved if applicable by broad association. Um, so kind of just go over uh, these streets themselves. So uh, A Street here um, is being proposed to be Anchorage. Uh, B Street would be Bayfront. Uh, C Alley is Crossing Alley. Uh, D Alley is Tidewater Alley, uh, E Street is uh, Larkspur Street, and uh, F Street is Horizon Street. Um, so with that, staff's recommendation is to approve the plan development amendment um, to uh, rename the streets in the previously approved project. Um, and then also, so um, if approved, these streets, street names will go on the final map, and that's when City Council would be approving them. Okay, thank you for the presentation. Any questions from board member Louise? Hi, thank you, I do have a question. Sure. Um, I was looking at the city's street naming policy, so my understanding is north-south is streets mm -hmm. and east-west is avenue. Yeah. So I would assume that the streets that's parallel to Club Men Avenue will be named as avenue. So um, it will be Anchorage yeah. Avenue and Larkspur Avenue instead of that, That's correct. So I think um, actually in that case, um, we should have a, a condition of approval that the final map reflect that so that, uh, you know, uh, Anchorage Avenue, it becomes Anchorage Avenue. And, right. And, yeah. right. and then the other question I have is um, dead end streets should be court, place, terrace, or square. Okay. But now we have two, well, I, I don't know what you do with the alleys. They're mm -hmm. technically dead end as well, yeah. but they're alleys, so that's fine. But then B Street and F Street, they are both dead end. They're aligned but not through. We have instances where streets align but not through, but they still carry the same name. Sure. So does B and F need to be the same name or are they still separated and are they dead end or are they 
So uh, F Street goes through the project. Uh, and the, actually, it's highlighted right here. It, it's, well, I'm oh, sorry. It, it no, actually it stops is. at Clement. Yeah, it, it goes through Ellen Craig. Um, we know it just has a uh, EVA access off of uh, Ellen Craig. And then uh, B Street has one access point on uh, Fortman Way. Okay, so they are not considered dead ends because when they don't they dead end into Clement, that's still not considered dead end. Uh, not not quite sure about that. Um, okay, because I live in a cul-de-sac mm -hmm. and it's the name of street, and that confused the heck out of me. That's sure. why I'm asking this yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, again, you you know, if you wanted to well, have a specific, I, I just want to make sure that it follows the the yeah. city's guidelines, and right now it is somewhat confusing. Sure. Um, can I? Uh, I'm wondering, though, if you can apply the guidelines the same way to private streets. Because it would be confusing to me to call an avenue to this small street that is private. Yeah, so the, the city naming uh, policy does apply to both pro public and private streets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, member yeah, I just had a question. Um, is there, yeah, what's the rationale for, I guess, street, uh, B Street and F Street not being named the same? That, that, That's my question, too. Is just to create, it, it, it would create confusion if someone was going down the street that they'd be yeah, like, that, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, they don't, they don't connect, so I think it kind of goes back to the point of that they're, they're dead-end streets, and so they should probably, they should have their own names and then have um, a, a suffix that de denotes that it's not a through street. Hmm. Right. So yeah. that would be alley, or what would it be? No, it would be core place, terrace, or street, or, or square. It's in the naming oh, guidelines. Okay. So Horizon Court or something. Oh, Horizon Place. Oh. But this is um, something that Trumark should opine on? What they mm -hmm. want to add well, to the end of this street name? Yeah, no, they, I, yeah, they're not concerned about the, the uh, suffix themselves. In fact, you know, they had a whole list of street names and they actually initially told me to pick them. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so this is... <laughs> no, so, I, did, I didn't pick these, but I, I just, you know, I said, well, you, you should propose okay, one. So. Yeah. So then maybe they won't be so concerned if it's Horizon Court. Yeah, no, I think that the, the, for, right, for, for Horizon Place or, or play, Horizon, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever what, what, it is, just yeah. make sure that it's a decide. dead end, right. Yeah. So it's a, um, what is it? Um, so it's Horizon and Bayfront, right? Those two. Yes. Yes. They should be either Core Place, Terrace, or Square because they're dead end. An alley is an alley, I get it. What is it, but it's called crossing alley? Or crossing street? It's, a, it's an alley. Crossing alley. Yeah. It's alley. Crossing, crossing alley. alley. Yes. Oh, okay. Crossing alley okay. and Tidewater alley and Larkspur street should be Larkspur Avenue and Anchorage street should be Anchorage Avenue. Right, because this yeah. then is in line with the city naming convention. Correct, yes. Okay. But Lark Larkspur is the a avenue. dead end. Oh, where? 
Oh, you're right. It doesn't connect. Yeah, the so it's, it's also a... It's an alley? Court or a... Well, it, it, isn't it like an alley? Up it is an alley. At, up at the right. top? Right, East Street is an alley, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So it should be Larkspur Alley, you're right. What, what's the difference between the alleys? Just everything's backing up to it. That's what makes it an alley. Well, so is East Street. It's an it's a it's something you back into. Okay. Yeah. No, East Street is just like C Alley and D Alley. Yeah. They're all they're all three of them are the same. So that's going to be Larkspur Alley. That's about right. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Questions Those are all the questions. That's all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I like a puzzle. The, uh, <laughs> I appreciate the. I didn't think about the. You know, um, I, I, my only comment is I understand the city policy, naming policy, but I agree with Board Member Ariza. Calling one of these streets an avenue seems. Maybe that might be something that I know the policy is a policy, so I'm not. But that might be something to kind of consider some flexibility, because you know, because when I think of an avenue, you know, yeah. I mean, my concept of an avenue is high tra traffic street, like a, a arterial street or a collector street, and these aren't that way. But I, but if that's a naming policy, that's a naming policy. So I appreciate what members bringing that up. For consistency, but if if I may, um, I think what we recommend is that you accept these street names as having an association with the northern waterfront, that they're um, nice names, um, and then in terms of specifically how they're titled, are they courts or alleys or whatever, um, we will sort that out with the building official. I think this has been pretty tough because there are so many units on these short stretches of street and they all want a different number. And so part of it is finding enough uh, frontage and numbers available on a block to actually make it work because um, they're not going to be like unit A and unit B. It's, you know, so, so I would just say this has been a struggle and I think you're onto something that maybe avenue is a, a bit of a grandiose term for a an alley, essentially, or a driveway. And so I think what we recommend is that you accept these street names, and then we'll work on the, um, the suffix that goes with it. Okay. okay. That well, makes sense. That makes sense to me. But uh, before we move on, first of all, thank you for the presentation. And th thank you for bringing those to that issue, because I didn't even think about those things. But uh, at this point, I guess we should open up the public hearing. Are there any uh, comments? Yes, we have one uh, speaker, uh, Joshua Hahn. Okay. Joshua? Hi, uh, good evening, uh, planning board. My name is Joshua Hahn. I'm a resident of Alameda. I actually live at Alameda Point, um, Site A, which is uh, in one of the units that was actually built by Truemark Homes uh, three years ago. I've lived here. And uh, I want to just talk, mention how I think it's a great idea that the the alleys are being named because over here we have an issue where um, on either side of the townhouse I live in, we have in the back all the garages lined up and that that uh, paved way there doesn't actually have a name at all. Uh, but in front of us, um, 
we have two buildings where the front doors of the townhomes face each other and it's a car free street it's a it's called skylark sorry um it's called uh halo lane or um in my case another lane and i was wondering here uh, looking at the plan if for the equivalent in this project for like building six and five uh, if that walkway has a name or uh, the same thing between buildings number uh, 13 and 14. Um, also, just from personal experience, I, I have to say that it's uh, initially it was very difficult um, getting directions <laughs> when we first moved in because um, even to this day, like Google Maps still thinks that the alley behind my house is called Starling Lane, even though Starling Lane is the name of the walkway in front of the house. Uh, and I still have issues getting like FedEx to deliver packages to my front door instead of my garage. So just um, small things that, you know, uh, I think the builder should consider. Um, uh, that's it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you for your comments. Um, no further public comments? Uh, no, that's it. Okay. So we'll close the public hearing and I'll entertain a motion from the board members. What, I, what I'm hearing from staff is, suggestion from staff is that we um, act on the proposed street names, uh, street names, and, <laughs> and then uh, and perhaps defer to planning staff to sort out the actual, you know, whether it's a street avenue, court alley, or whatever it might be. But that's a suggestion from staff, but uh, I want to entertain motion from board members. Board member Sahiba. Well, I just wanted to acknowledge the person who was speaking uh, just now. Um, last thing we want to do is create confusion for folks who are living here and trying to expect deliveries. So uh, I'm looking at the plan, but is, is there a situation where there's not a front door on? Oh, I guess be between building 13 and building 14. Uh, that's what he was describing that situation where the front door is not on a street. Mm -hmm. um, is there is there, there a name for that? He said uh, they, they name them lanes? Buildings, building five and six, too. Yeah, right? For, and, for and this project, there's no names for the, the walkways between buildings. And it would, yeah. we, we just have two conditions here, right? Buildings between, yeah, building five and six and build, building uh, 13 thir and 14. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you want to, uh, one of the conditions, I guess, I, I would recommend in approving this is that um, the developer consider, or n name those two lanes? The paseos between buildings, or? In, in order for someone to find the front door is what I understood from the, um, app, uh, from the public speaker, yeah. Um, I would recommend against that because that actually happened to my neighbor where they, four of my neighbors that's in the Marina Cove development ended up with two separate addresses, one on Buena Vista and one on Clement, and they are still sorting it out with uh, USPS. So they ended up, it, they, the project's been constructed okay. for six years, seven years, okay. and they're still sorting it out, so each building should have one address, yeah. whatever oh, that sure. is, yeah. No, for sure. Okay, I, I, I was more for wayfinding, so if yeah, you are telling someone who's arriving, not, not for 
UP, USPS or UPS or anyone else, they would just go to that one address. But the, the actual address would be to the streets that we talked about and the avenues and lanes and everything. Oh, sorry. And yeah, those, um, the streets that we talked about. This would just be the lanes being named. So if a friend was coming to visit, they could say, you could walk down whatever lane to get to my house. So that, that I thought that's what the, res the resident who was speaking was bringing up. But, yeah, but if, that, if that creates more yeah, confusion. I, I concur then, with that idea. I don't, I, I don't know if what the exactly the division of the land is. I mean, are these properties for sale? And then each? Yes. OK. So then each townhouse is the ownership of that portion of land and needs an address, correct? Correct, yes. So I see, I see your point, Teresa, that then you have one side of the property has abuts to a pedestrian lane, mm -hmm. and the other side of the property would abut to a street. And you can it, only have one theoretically, address. right? Yeah, but you can only have one address. Well, can you have an? I mean, I'm sure there are properties that abut to two separate streets. I just wonder what yeah, happens in those cases. Yeah, I mean, I have a townhouse that's exactly this condition, mm -hmm. and they don't. And I'm thinking it will occur to me: the alleys aren't even labeled. Your address is the main street, and then each building is like. In this case, one one five six, then A A through E, and then is one one six zero A through E. And, but your main address is the main street. So the alleys are the alleys are these dead end kind of townhome kind of thing. Aren't even don't even have a name. And uh, is your front door in those alleys? Um, no, my garage is in the alley. Right. And then, then, the, you, the then you have that common here. walkway yeah, that, like you, that you um, that you people that visit my place, they walk through that alley. And the GPS, not GPS, the UPS people, they deliver their packages. I guess they know because they deliver enough Amazon packages there. They deliver it to the front door. They don't put it by the back garage. But it is it's a legitimate confusion because I know um, I've had friends kind of didn't know exactly where the front door to the unit was. I, w I would just also just, I mean, the other thing is that many of these buildings front an existing public street. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so they could have addresses theoretically on Grand or mm -hmm. Fortman or Clement, but not all of them. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's a sort of a hybrid of finding the numbering sequence that works on Grand, for instance, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of units there that maybe there aren't enough numbers and yeah. then there's buildings that don't front grand, so what do you do with them? So we're, we're this is a, a puzzle that David's <laughs> been working on for quite a while. Uh, yeah, feel free to join Tom in the, the wonderful planning discussion. Planning board members, <laughs> Alan Ty. Um, David, is it possible to put the, James, is it possible to put the uh, slide on the projector screen? I want to point out that this is really kind of a design subdivision design criteria, and and since uh, we've been before you talking about the subdivision ordinance, I mean, I think the issue that we've sort of created, um, not just this project, but um, the site A project that the public speaker was addressing, as well as 
um, the townhomes at Alameda Landing. It really started off with a design principle that we do not want garage doors facing the street. And so that, in, in translation on the plans, created these alleys where you have driveways. Mm -hmm. But then the front door is then facing a pedestrian for sale. But mm -hmm. typically, as people are driving, looking for the houses, you're not, when you're looking for the front door, you're driving, you'll be looking for the alleys. And so I think that creates a, an issue with, with the addressing. I know some other cities, what they do is, if you look at, oh, okay, this, this works, uh, laser. I'm gonna point the laser pointer here. So what other cities have done is they allow the garage doors to be also on the same facade as the front door. So imagine building five here. Uh, these are garage doors, but that they are also spaced with, to have a front door. And then instead of having an alley in the back, they would just become the backyard patios. So there wouldn't be a walk. So then this alley really just becomes design more as a street. It's a driveway, but it is also the street and the front door. And so some cities have been able to resolve the issue by requiring the, the townhome developments to be designed that way. And so that, not the ideal design, especially if you're facing Clement Avenue. We probably don't want that situation here. But maybe in um, on the interior streets, private streets, you could require that as part of a design standard um, to, to, to alleviate the, the need for a separate driveway in addition to um, a paseo in the front door. Yeah. Just something to think about as we talk about subdivision and townhome design. Yeah, I've seen that solution also into what you end up having or these townhomes end up having backyards that are abutting each other. So yes. it's kind of like backyard to backyard. Yes. The I guess the not problem. The challenge with that is they felt first want to squeeze as many units as they can, so these units become 25 feet wide or whatever, which is basically just the width of a two-car garage. And unless they want to sacrifice units and put the front door with the garage, which means a wider unit, yeah, uh, it it may require losing a unit. But uh, I've seen what you, exactly what you mm -hmm. talked about, Alan. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also questionable too, just theoretically, like how really how usable is this paseo? I mean, it's not that wide. It's, no, it's really made, just a porch. It's, it's for Amazon deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> or or would the Amazon driver deliver in the alley? I mean, I've seen that too. Yeah. I have a question, though. Mm -hmm. Do, can we change these development? anymore in that formal way because it we already approved it yeah, not, not, not for this one, project not but, but for future projects oh, oh, okay, still yeah. future townhome projects yeah no i agree me. i agree on that yeah because it does seem a little bit like a waste mm -hmm. of and land in a way to have so many streets mm -hmm. and then you do it's a way to provide usable private open space for the units, which is fairly limited Correct. in this, this type of design configuration. Yeah. Don't mean to take you off on the tangent, but know, really the, at the heart of the issue is really a subdivision design question. And I think when we come back next month or the following month with subdivision um, standards, we could talk it'd, more about that. It'd be good that. to talk to some developers that do townhomes mm -hmm. to see how they feel about it. But my, my typical reaction I get is, 
with loose units. You know. Is it possible to have like a minimum width of lot for a subdivision like this? Do, do we, can we determine that? Because then that would address mm -hmm. yeah. the yeah, concern absolutely. of yeah. the, okay. Right. We just need to understand how those rules translate to units. I mean, we certainly don't want to lose units, um, yeah. but it's reasonable to establish a standard so that the you units aren't too narrow. You know, like minimum lot width of 30 or 35 feet or something. Yeah, yeah. but if, yeah. It, if, it, yeah. if it results Food in for a thought. better yeah. street and a better experience yeah. for both the owner and the people who use the yeah. streets. Yeah, no, I agree. Might be a good idea. Yeah, well, that was a good discussion. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back to the street names. So uh, a motion. I move to approve the names that the applicant um, has issued with the condition that the city can determine, the staff can determine the suffixes for the either streets or alleys or lanes. Uh, was there any other condition that we needed to include? Oh, I don't believe so. I think that covers it unless I missed something. Um, I second the motion, but I would actually uh, like to add a request. When it, I know it's difficult to squeeze all the numbers into that tiny block, and you may run out the numbers. But in a situation is available, please do not repeat the numbers on every single street. So we don't want, you know, I would like not to see 101, what is it, 101 um, Anchorage, and the same as it, 101 um, Crossing, you know, that because things get misdelivered all the time that that was the applicant's request to us and the building official too so oh they they don't want to do that yeah correct yeah any way to reduce confusion i think that because it will are you okay with adding that as a yes as i a agree question? i agree okay. with board member reese okay so we have moved by board member reese uh, seconded by board member Ruiz to approve the street names, uh, have staff decide on the suffixes, and then, um, and not to have, I don't know what the name is, how you, but not have the same number uh, for the units for each street to minimize the confusion. So, all in favor? Aye. 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 Anyone opposed? No. Uh, motion approves. Four zero. So we're moving on to staff communications. So uh, 6A, any reports out by staff uh, on recent actions and decisions? Um, well, the, the attachment includes a list of six projects that were recently approved and um, they'll be going into their appeal period uh, coming up soon. So um, yeah, that's, we're, we're Still seeing relatively small uh, design review projects at the staff level. Um, and then as you heard tonight, we're hoping for some bigger stuff coming out of Alameda Point as we move forward. Okay, okay. Any comments? Board Member Ruiz. Yeah, I just want to bring to your attention when I tried to look up 1901 Shoreline Drive, the link on the website for the documents uh, was not working. So if you can look into that, that would be great. All okay. the other documents are, but there are some superseded drawings mm. um, that was deemed incomplete, and the subsequent submittal, the link was not working. 
Hmm. So okay. It, it, it's not a link. You know how usually it's a link. It has that underscore. It's not there. Okay, well, I'll look into that. And so the, that was the link in the agenda or in the staff report? No, it's a, you have to go to the Alameda building i.com planning and then type in the address. And once yeah. I type in the address under related documents, that um, the final complete documents was not, link was not working. Okay, I'll look into that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, also just to report that uh, we're going to uh, cancel your second meeting in November. I think I mentioned that uh, uh, right after Thanksgiving, the, the week after, and we don't have any pressing agenda items. So you get uh, your next meeting off, and then we'll see you back in December. Okay. The first, well, the second week in December. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Board member, oh, do you have a comment? Oh, okay. So it sounds like you've covered item 6B, unless there's something else you wanted to add. I guess just one more thing. Um, we, as you know, we have two vacancies, and so um, there are uh, a list of nominations that are going to be going to the city council. So um, you'll hopefully have a couple of new friends to greet uh, in the near future. Would this maybe be for the January meeting or sooner? I, I don't know uh, how quickly they can do it, but uh, could be December, okay. I think. Okay. That would be great to welcome some new members. Yeah. Um, okay. Item seven, board communications. Any board communications? Okay. Going, going once, twice, third time. Okay. Eight, um, this is the second time that we ha uh, can allow for non-agenda public comments, so anyone may speak for three minutes regarding any item not on the agenda. Staff, do we have any speakers? Uh, no speakers. Okay, great. So with that, I call the meeting adjourned at 8.50, and everyone have a wonderful Thanksgiving. <laughs>